Before the episode starts, I would like to make a quick disclaimer. This episode was originally intended for my Bible podcast called Bible In Depth. As I began writing it, I realized yes, it would provide more value for Christians looking for answers on the topic, but the information is just as relevant to anyone listening. I hope you enjoy. Ah yes, the topic no one wants to talk about. The topic Christians close in faith as well as the more distant in faith tend to sweep under the rug as outdated. Problem is, ladies and gentlemen, you can only sweep for so long till the problem beneath the rug turns into a very serious dilemma. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Bible in Depth. This week, If you haven't been able to guess what we are talking about yet, yes, it is the topic of fornication, aka premarital sex, and sexual immorality. Now, before anybody gets uncomfortable, I would like to make you completely aware this will be no awkward lecture where I shun those who dwell in such practices. In a society where sex is glorified is probably the paramount of human indulgence, it has always raised the question to me. Why is everyone so scared to talk about it when it comes to Christian life? As a college student, I am surrounded by peers every day where sex is the topic of casual conversation. Sex has become so integrated into our culture, I fear we have reached a point of no return. Movies, TV shows, social media, hookup apps, as well as extremely easy to access pornographic content on the internet, combined with people's little to almost non-existent self-control when it comes to sexual urges, has spun the world into what I like to call a sexual frenzy. Since the cat's out of the bag and it seems like it's socially acceptable to openly talk about stuff like this now, well, it's my turn to load the magazine and start returning fire. I come from a background of a freshman college student, where I'm anything but the majority in this discussion, but this information applies to people of all ages. This phenomenon now where everyone likes to pick and choose what they want to follow and accept out of Jesus' teachings is outrageous. If no one wants to talk about this because they're too scared that this is too much to handle, well, I'm not just here to open the floodgates, I'm also here to show why fornication is scientifically, neurologically, physically, and mentally degrading to your well-being, and very well could reveal why problems have arisen in your life that were never meant to arise. Jumping right into this, I would like to clearly state I am no saint. I'm just like every other person out there who is just as susceptible to sexual desire as the next person. I would also like to state, in the past, I've been on the other side of this argument and know the ins and outs of it. As I got older and understood how terribly wrong I was, I knew there was millions of kids just like myself who still have yet to learn and comprehend these very serious issues. Fact after fact, life experience after life experience, relationships destroyed, habits formed, I haven't had the easiest time with this myself. It just goes to show how susceptible we all are, but more importantly it shows that you can put a stop to something that will have terrible consequences later in life. I'm going to keep this as simple and as straightforward as possible, and let's get to it. Point number one. The Bible's view on sex is outdated and irrelevant in today's society. This is the most common one I tend to hear, and this is why I'm addressing it first. For starters, 
As Christians, we love and respect God. We seek Him for guidance and understanding about things we simply just can't comprehend. I really want you to ask yourself this question. When Jesus traveled around preaching about anything that involves self-control or abstinence from any action, do you think he did it in a selfish, controlling way because he said so? Do you think it was nothing more than a finger wag and a quick scold? There was clearly something we couldn't see when we messed around with things that weren't designed to be messed around with. Jesus preached about topics like this, including fornication, because he knew how dangerous it could be to us. God doesn't want to see us suffer of our own doing just like a parent would hate to see their child suffer because the child simply doesn't know any better. Look back to when you were a young kid on Halloween night. If you were a trick-or-treater, you would usually return home with all this new great candy you couldn't wait to eat. Unfortunately, your parents probably took 95% of that candy and hid it away. You couldn't wrap your head around why they would try to stop you from having something as great as that candy. From the standpoint of the parents, they knew if they just gave the kid all the candy, the kid would be chowing down all night until they got sick. The parents withheld the candy because the kid didn't understand they would just end up harming themselves if they got to have it all due to a child's very little self-control. As the kid gets older and becomes a parent themselves, they realize the importance of what their parents did for them when they were younger and understood they were just trying to take care of them in the long run. Now, let's flip this analogy with more adult topics, where God is the parent, we are the children, and sex is the candy. Yes, it's honestly a laughable, imperfect analogy, but if you look at how God tells us to withhold from sexual activity until we get married, it's because we simply don't understand what we're getting ourselves into until we can see things from that much more mature point of view. You have to understand, the Bible never says sex is inherently bad. Sex is often described as one of the greatest gifts God's ever promised to mankind. But with this being said, it was designed to be used in a specific way, not indulged in by the wondering child who simply doesn't know any better. When we look at God's laws from this angle, we still wonder at the question, but why do we have to wait till marriage to have sex? Though God doesn't provide us with a 100-page scientific monologue about why it's inherently bad, I think the clear and obvious distinctions make themselves known. 1. Sex before marriage puts the element of family at risk. The family is considered sacred in the Bible, and God very clearly prohibits anything that could potentially harm the family unit. The Bible also makes it very clear society as we know it is built on families. Without strong family values, children can have a very difficult time growing up in a household that is supported by a lone parent or a struggling set of parents. Premarital sex puts the greatest risk on two individuals to have a child when they simply aren't intimately ready or financially stable enough at that point in their lives. Due to this, we now see a significant spike in abortions, but that's a topic for another day. As there are many statistics about healthy families and the sociological advantages they have, one statistic shines above all the others, and that is a child that is born into a dual-parent household statistically is recorded to have the highest percent chance of success in life going into their future. It is clear children were meant to be raised in a healthy family that was built on very real values those parents shared. The tragic reality that we see today is broken families all across the U.S. as well as the world. Families that weren't ready to be started, 
Families that are torn apart by irresponsibility and poor choices, but most importantly, the children who have been brought into this world who are now at a significant disadvantage because their parents couldn't wait until a much more opportunistic time to have children under much more appropriate circumstances. It's not the child's fault, it's the parents. Oh, but let's not stop there. I can already hear you saying, oh, but we have contraception nowadays. They didn't have that back then, so it was much more dangerous. Two things there. One, as contraception was seen as the saving grace, there is still a very serious problem with teen pregnancy as well as pregnancy among young, unmarried adults. Not to mention a large majority of people simply not even using contraception in the interest of pleasure. And two, one of the most commonly mistaken purposes of sex, not only biblically but scientifically, is that it was only designed for reproductive purposes. This is entirely incorrect. Genesis 2.24, God himself said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Not to mention, Matthew, Mark, and Paul repeatedly said the exact same thing on multiple different occasions to multiple different churches and groups of individuals. Matthew 19, 5 through 6, Mark 10, 7 through 9, Ephesians 5, 31, 1 Corinthians 6, 16 all repeat the same concept that sex does not just create life, but it forms a link between the male and female, making them one flesh. The Bible also refers to sex as a bonding agent that man and wife use to grow closer to one another, even going to say how the marriage bed is sacred and should be kept holy. Hebrews 13.4 Yes, this is great and all, but what's the point here? It's that sex is just as much as a tool to unify husband and wife as it is to create life. I'm sure God was well aware that man and wife might have a hard time putting up with one another for uh, the rest of their lives, so he provided them a way that allows that bond to stay strong even when times get difficult in marriage. With all this being said, there's a catch. I often hear people talk about how they have moved around from partner to partner just fine without this unification taking place, and they can continue to go about living their daily life just fine. Little do they know, they just admitted to the catch I'm referring to. It's that this bonding agent wears down in its effectiveness the more it's exploited. I want you to look at it like a piece of tape. Every time a person decides to have sex with a partner, they metaphorically stick that tape on them. When those individuals separate or part ways, they rip off their pieces of tape and go about living their daily lives. Soon enough, they find another partner, and yet again they stick their tape onto them. That doesn't work out either, and conclusively, they have to rip off their tape yet again. This goes on for three, four, five, six, seven more individuals until their tape basically can't stick to anything anymore. This is an unfortunate reality for a lot of people, and the most common remedy people resort to is dwelling deep into their sexual fantasies or other taboo means of creating the high again. Sex was never designed to be this expedition of wanderlusting and chasing highs, but nowadays that seems to be all it is anymore. With everything I just stated in mind, we simply cannot forget sex is just as much of a drug as other substances out there, and we are just as prone to addiction of it. The more a person dives into their sexual fantasies, the stronger the high gets, in turn the harder the spell is to crack should you want to get out of all of this. Like I said earlier in the podcast, 
the easy access society has to porn, hookup apps, and other means of quickly satisfying these urges has only exacerbated the situation way out of proportion. Relationships gone toxic, irrational decisions made, anxiety, overthinking, the list goes on and on and on. The side effects of premarital sex will have an impact on not just the younger generation, but the ones to come in the near future. Studies from multiple sources, but the most notable being from the American Psychological Association, showed the correlation specifically between hookup culture and loneliness and depression. While the students were engaged in sexual activities, they reported a decrease in loneliness and a decrease in depression. Shortly after, when the students were surveyed later, they largely reported an increase in depression as well as loneliness as a result of their actions earlier. This positive feedback loop is a very dangerous one to fall into, for an individual can become deeply dependent on a sexual relationship as a form of connecting with others and avoiding depression. I'm sure you're able to tell why this can be so dangerous, for if someone depended on sex and sexual partners to fill that void in their life, it could be catastrophic, not to mention all of the other addictive properties of sex. This was all just point number one, and I hope you can now better see why the information the Bible provides us with is anything but outdated. In fact, I'd be willing to bet it is more relevant today than it was 2,000 years ago. Point number two. This one is a little more straightforward than the previous point, but it is the premature sex, pornography consumption, and sexual addiction has very real-world consequences. Unintended pregnancy flips a person's life upside down, forcing them into a very stressful, narrow path. Sexually transmitted diseases are another very real consequence where your probability rises with each partner you sleep with. I was just recently talking to a friend who was telling me how his old buddy has to take medication every day for an STD he picked up decades before and now has to deal with annual breakouts all across his body as well as his happy marriage suffering because he made a bad choice earlier in life which has removed that intimacy him and his wife could have had. The problem of sexual addiction is a very real issue. I frequently see friends mocking someone with a drug or nicotine addiction, talking about them behind their back when in reality that friend suffers from a very serious masturbation problem that they cannot control. People try to sweep a sexual addiction under the rug like it's not a problem but ladies and gentlemen, it is a very real problem. It can impact you in ways you may have never thought it could. A diminishing self-confidence, no drive to do anything long term, low energy, and wasted time on pointless stimulation, I digress. But before I get any deeper into that, let's round the wagon and end this on my last point. Point number three. Let's finally take a look at society. For starters, I'd really like to ask each and every one of you how you think this new openness to sex has reshaped society. Do you think we are better off because of it? Do you really think that previous generations had it wrong, and now finally we got it right? Do you really think the knowledge contained in the Bible is just simply outdated? Let's look at some numbers. Now, I'm sure many people would be interested in seeing the divorce rates around the world, and yes, between 1970 and 2008, they have statistically doubled. But for the sake of staying on topic, I'd like to turn the conversation in a much more sinister direction. Marriage rates. Marriage rates are significantly dropping. 
Yes, talking about divorce could show us how premarital sex impacts the longevity of a relationship in marriage. There's just one problem with looking at things from this standpoint. A couple can't get divorced if they never got married in the first place. With hookup culture on the rise as a very strong alternative to long-term relationships and marriage, the question arises, will society get content where we're at right now? You know, as a college student, all I've ever heard my whole life was the saying, college is this crazy experience where you get to do all of this stuff and get it out of your system so you don't have to be bothered by it later in life. What a joke. One of the biggest lies you could tell yourself is, oh, I'll just deeply indulge in something to get it out of my system. And I'm speaking to all of the young adults and college students out there. If you were trying to get over an alcohol addiction, would you deeply indulge in it to quote-unquote get it out of your system? Of course not. You would stop drinking alcohol. It still makes me laugh that the people that tell me this kind of advice are on their second or third marriage and still struggling with the same problem. I get sometimes marriages don't always work out and maybe they were just a little rushed or something came up. But I also get sometimes people willingly walk up to the doorstep of destruction and happily walk right in. I would like to say I can probably relate to most people who struggle with this, especially as young adults. And I'll let you know why the thought of abstinence bothers you so much. Sure, you don't get to experience sex. Sure, you don't get to join in on what it seems like everyone else is doing. Sure, you might be looked at as an outlier. But the reason that it really hurts to admit is because there's a good chance you're scared you're only going to have one opportunity to be a kid. You only have one chance to live life on the edge. One chance to enjoy crazy things like sex with multiple different partners with no strings attached. One chance before it's all over and you're just another adult telling the younger generation to live it up in college. That, my friends, is one of the biggest deceptions the world has to offer. It is nothing more than a half-truth, a bait-and-switch, if you may. You see, you're right. You do only have one chance to be a kid. For those of you in high school, college, as well as young adults out there, you are in the prime of your life, age-wise, so to speak. You theoretically are at the best point to take risk. Do crazy things, experience things you might never get around to when you're older, and I'd encourage you to go do all of those things, truly. But when it comes to sex, there's a reason the Bible doesn't prohibit taking risk. There's a reason the Bible doesn't say, don't do anything crazy when you're young, but let's not get ahead of ourselves though. But there is a reason why the Bible says, hey, I know sex is great, but... Let's save that for a better day when we're settled down with someone we really do love and want to spend the rest of our lives with, so we don't have to deal with all the suffering that comes with indulging in it too soon. God doesn't want to be the person who ruins all of the fun in your life. He's just the person who wants to make sure, going into the rest of your life, you don't make a mistake that very well could cost you your entire future. To wrap this up, folks, Sex has been put on a pedestal in society. Just as much as it has been glorified and praised, it has destroyed lives and ruined families. The goal of this episode was never to try and sway you to my way of thinking, but I know a large majority of people out there are on the opposing side of this argument, 
and the real point of the episode was designed to provide insight on the very real dangers of not only premarital sex, but sex in general. At the end of the day, the decision is yours to make. For the Christians out there, I hope this has provided you with some insight on why God may have thought sex is best left for us at a more mature point in our lives. And for the people who aren't religious, I hope you can now understand why sex is not something to play around with, like it's no big deal. I got another dump truck full of facts, studies, diagnostics, brain scans. Here's the point, ladies and gentlemen. I have presented the evidence to you. I have proved my case beyond a reason of a doubt. If you're listening to this and you are on the opposing side of the argument, I was just like you about six months ago. I am not proud to say that. I am not proud to admit I was so unbelievably wrong about something I argued for years. Though everything I learn and experience, I present you with this. And I hope you can make the same change that I made. May God bless us all, and thank you for tuning in.